the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Well, Tyson, we're here for another exciting episode of the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm very excited to be here. I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad that we have one of our favorite Guild members here with us today. His name is Samir Katakur. Samir, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, guys. True honor to be here. Jim, I like the energy today. You're bringing it. It's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, Samir, so tell us about your journey. You're a wonderful Guild member, and so we know you in the Guild, but uh, tell everybody else in the world a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks. And um, I'm going to start way back, actually. Uh, so <laughs> cause it does relate to my career, I promise. But so my parents were living in L.A. Um, before I was born. And my mom, actually, as an immigrant to the U.S., went back to India to have me in her third trimester, which is the opposite of what most immigrants aspire to do <laughs> when they come to the U.S., and then came back to L.A. when I was six weeks old. And since then, I was I was raised out there in, in L.A. So I, I kind of grew up as, an, as a child of immigrants out there feeling uh, two predominant emotions. Number one, feeling like I wanted to fit in with other people as being one of the very few people of Indian origin in my neighborhood. And the other kind of like observing the kind of powerlessness and kind of a struggle to adapt to the country that my parents felt. Uh, and that really stuck with me. And so... It was one of the main reasons I went to law school was because uh, I too felt kind of that powerlessness and I wanted to understand the systems and structures that really kind of, you know, put our society together and kind of how to use that to our own advantage. And so I thought law school would help me with that. So I went to law school, uh, went to Santa Clara in the Bay Area to work by my wife. So it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. But also when I was in law school, the other kind of half of my personality came out, this I kind of need to fit in kind of the chameleon in me, right? So didn't know what area of law I wanted to do. And so I followed the crowd and thought, okay, I want to do what everyone else says I should do, which is find that big firm job. And so I did as a summer associate, uh, ended up at a really well-respected kind of mid to kind of large size firm in San Francisco. 
and proceeded to flame out in spectacular fashion. Like it couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> so I really had to figure out the civil litigation firm. And I just had a terrible time there. And I didn't understand why that was. I really kind of beat myself up over it until I realized that, you know, I really have to kind of look more internally, look at myself and what is the place that I feel that I would be happy at. And I really didn't know what that was. So I graduated law school without a job and I ended up doing document review. In the Bay Area back then, there was a case, um, like an IP case, Sun versus Cisco or something on the lines and I did doc review there. Um, it was all online. And so I was just clicking buttons on the computer for like, you know, hours at a time. So I would do that for every hour. I would do that for 15 minutes and for 10 minutes, I would apply to jobs. And I ended up kind of falling into a small immigration law firm job in San Francisco. And it was pure luck, but I loved it. I loved the people there, the owner of the firm and his young associate, just two others. That associate is still one of my best friends, who's now uh, an asylum officer for USCIS. And that began my career in immigration. And I kind of learned mostly business immigration there. I loved it. Ended up at a really well-respected immigration firm in 2006. Worked my way up, helped grow the firm from three lawyers to about 30 lawyers, 100 staff, kind of a global immigration practice. Became the managing partner of that firm and thought that I was at the pinnacle of success. But I was unhappy and I couldn't figure out why that was. And so, again, had to take a deep look inside and kind of realized that I, I just felt the need to do something on my own, that I just wasn't feeling connected to the work that I was doing. And so I ended up leaving uh, with that firm, having to start basically from scratch uh, in 2018 uh, and started my own firm and really without a plan, honestly, without any systems in place. It's kind of how I operate. I force myself to kind of into situations where I can you know, learn and grow. And uh, then that's where I'm at right now. I started my firm about almost four years ago. Came across you guys just shortly thereafter, became huge fans of the podcast, just kind of lurking behind the scenes, just listening to podcasts and kind of kind of gather up the courage to one day uh, meet you guys and just kind of be part of the guild. And here I am. So I'm super excited. All right, Samir. So one day you're a partner at your old law firm <laughs> and you were maybe thinking about leaving. And then the next day you had made the decision to leave. Yeah. What was different in those two days? Just gathering up the courage to make the decision. I had been thinking about it for a while. Things were kind of, it was hard because at that firm, I thought that was where I was going to end up. I thought I was going to take over the firm and it just kind of didn't work out that way for a variety of reasons. And I was very slow to kind of adapt to that oncoming reality, right? And so I knew that I had to start my firm and to go out on my own and figure things out for myself. But the biggest decision was deciding to make the plunge because I was so super scared. You know, I grew up, growing up most of my life with kind of what I learned from you guys, like kind of an employee mindset and also a kind of a fixed mindset. And they're not always the same thing, but in my case, they were very related uh, to each other. And so having to adjust to changing both of those to more of an entrepreneurial and growth mindset, um, I think was one of my biggest challenges and realizations. So there was that. And the second part, which I think was the most important part was having to like learn more about myself. Like, what do I want to do? And I read a book called uh, Design Your Life by um, you know, the founders of the uh, Design Thinking Institute at Stanford. My wife gave that to me and, and it was really uh, influential for me because it really helped me look or identify the things about myself that I loved, the things that I love to do just in life and how to apply that to my career. And how does that inform where I take my practice? Right. And what I realized that I loved doing was helping individuals 
through the problems that they were having with business immigration, whereas before I was working mostly with corporations. And there's nothing wrong with working with corporations, but it really, it wasn't scratching my itch. And so that really kind of opened my eyes to like kind of where I should take my firm. So to now I'm focusing mostly, I mean, I do work with a lot of companies still, but my primary focus is on helping uh, individuals, mostly Indian immigrants who are going through very long lines for the green card backlog, figure out, you know, how to get out of this backlog, how to like kind of get out of the immigration system so they can go out and live their lives and kind of achieve their true potential career-wise. So Samir, this process took you some time, right? It's it's not like it happened over time. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a way we can sort of hack this process for people that are just starting out to try to figure out where they want to be faster. So what advice do you have to new lawyers to try to streamline this process for them so that they don't go into a job that they don't really want and they can get to where they want to be a little bit sooner? So I think my advice would be specifically for those people who have not done a lot of self-evaluation of themselves, because and if you're somebody who's super self-aware, like that wasn't me, right? I'm still learning about myself. Here I am, you know, 48 years old. And so uh, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer in that way. So my advice would be to spend, you know, the majority of your energy on that. Because learning about who you are and really what makes you happy in life can necessarily translate to the career you should have and how, like, if you're going to find a niche in whatever practice you're doing, like there are niches that correspond to what you love to do. Uh, And there's a way to make a great career out of it. And it's kind of self-perpetuating, like the happier you are, the better your career is going to be, the more money you can make, right? So I would say like, just really work hard on the self-awareness piece. So what was it like after you went out on your own? You've left this place that you helped build. You're the managing partner. And now you're Samir at a desk and a phone and a computer by yourself. Yeah, I don't even know if I had a desk. Uh, we were in between homes. Like I may have been sitting on a bed somewhere. Yeah, I was the you know partner. I was the associate. I was the paralegal. I was the billing clerk, the copier, the scanner, everybody all at once. You know, I'd come from a place where like, so what I'm really good at is selling and communicating to clients. Um, what I'm really bad at um, are the kind of operational systems and structures that go into making a business run smoothly and efficiently. But at my last firm, I had, there were other people who would do all that. So I never really had to confront kind of that weak side of me. And here I had to, right? And so that was hard. I, I struggled for a long time, honestly, probably until recently. Uh, I was lucky in the sense that I had a good enough reputation where clients were coming to me. Um, like I said, I had to start from scratch and I was not doing a lot of marketing or business development like intentionally. And COVID hit maybe just six months or maybe a year after I started my firm. So, um, But I had a network and I had clients come to me, including a fairly large corporate client that really sustained me uh, for quite a while. So, you know, despite putting in very little effort into the marketing piece, I was able to scratch out a fairly, you know, fairly good living. Um, and during that time, I just kind of learned over the course of time how to improve on my weaknesses and what it meant to even put systems in place. Like I didn't even know what that meant, right? It was a lot of listening to podcasts such as yours and the examples of what different lawyers are doing. Uh, it all sounded very complicated and intimidating. And then recently, that big client that I got, they were acquired by a larger company, and that kind of forced me into a place where I, I never want to be in a situation again where I feel like I'm powerless and you know not knowing how to run my firm well. Like I want to take it. I want to do something about it. I want to be intentional about it. And so that's when I joined the guild and got another mentor. And now I'm working on it. Like working mostly on you know putting systems in place, um, 
to support my marketing efforts and my operational efforts. And it's actually paying off really well. Like the things are taking off kind of more on the individual side and um, I'm excited and stressed all at the same time. So let me ask you something. I wonder what was the triggering factor when it comes to join the guild? Because usually there's a reason why people do it. And I wonder what struggle was going on with you internally that said, okay, I need to join some group of like-minded people. Yeah. Well, that was it. I mean, I wasn't happy with how I had performed. So this is just like a few months ago, right? So I wasn't happy with how I performed in the prior three years of my firm ownership. Like I felt like things were going well, but but then I, I lose this client and I'm like, I can't guarantee I'm gonna have another client fall on my lap, right? Like that was lucky, fortunate. I mean, it was, you know, it was because of the, you know, rep- my reputation and efforts I had put in before, but I can't count on that happening just out of luck. Like I, I need to do something about this. Like I got to take charge. And so also realizing that I don't have to do it all myself. Like I kind of was pretty hard on myself about trying to figure things out and I was overwhelmed. And everything that I had been reading was telling me to surround myself with like-minded people, people who are doing where you want to be, you know, who are doing it right now. Uh, and I had been listening to your podcast for so long and I just, and I just knew it was time. So how have things grown over the past several years? So I think what's happening with me is they're starting to. What I really had to do is, like, I am in a niche already. Business immigration is a niche within immigration. But even within business immigration, like, there are niches. There's, like, you can do high volume, big corporations. You can do investor visas. You can do all these different kinds of things. And I, what I realized, I wasn't niched out enough. I was trying to be, you know, this, the same person, same attorney to corporations as I was to individuals. And I was just kind of bifurcating my efforts and it wasn't really effective. And so what I'm doing now is I'm just doubling down on my core mission, which is to be um, kind of the immigration advocate support for the technology worker. These are, once like, like I said, mostly uh, Indian immigrants um, who are languishing in a decades-long uh, green card backlog. Yeah, something like 50% of like CEOs right now for technology companies are Indian. I mean, there's so much talent out there. And, and when I, real, I realized this is a problem when I had a client who, or a friend actually, a couple of good friends, Indian uh, immigrants. The wife was working at a big tech company that we all know. Um, husband was a startup founder. And, but they were stuck in this green card backlog. And they didn't know who to go to for help. So the wife would go to the company's lawyers and they would just look at her case and say, you're going to wait 15 years. But nobody had the time at the law firm. It wasn't their fault. They just didn't have the time to look at the husband's case and realize this guy has had a really successful startup. He could do an extraordinary ability visa. And then that would, that would take care of him. So they were lucky enough to come to me as friends. Our kids were in the same kind of martial arts class. I advised them to do it, did it for them. And they got a green card like in maybe six weeks. Um, it, w- it was that fast. And she left that company and started an award-winning restaurant in San Francisco. And they're both doing great things. And so this is like a very common story, kind of an India, Indian immigrant community, about people feeling like they can't go out and reach their potential because they're stuck uh, to their jobs on visas. And so that is my main focus now. I'm doubling down on that. And since I decided to make that decision, it's really taken off. Like I found my community. Uh, I found somebody to co-author a book uh, on this topic. This person is super well-connected within the Indian professional community. So um, I've really become well-known on LinkedIn uh, as a result of that. And it's just kind of getting started. So now my struggle is to build a system to support you know, this growth. So that's what I'm working on right now. Samir, for starters, I want to say 
I love the positive self-talk. I love how you said they were lucky <laughs> enough to find me because I think that that is really powerful. It really is powerful. And I think that that's going to guide you and that's going to really you know, you know, push you forward. That's great. But I want to talk about the struggle that you may or may not have had. I don't know. But I wonder if you had a struggle when it came to niching down, because your niche is very, very niche down. It's not just immigration, but you are targeting people that are in the tech space that are Indian, right? Mm -hmm. And there's the desire probably to want to just target everybody, but yours is very specific. So we, and I think it's fantastic, by the way, will you talk about that struggle or, or, or maybe you didn't have a struggle, but talk about that decision to niche down and then mm -hmm. the decisions you had to make? Yeah. I mean, everything uh, that I, knew up until that point and i felt like everybody that i talked to would advise against doing that uh, in my field but they weren't the right advisors for me like if i had let's say talk to you guys about this you would have been all in you know at, at the time that i was considering this and so once again the value of kind of being in the right group that corresponds to where the mindset you want to have when i read design your life i, I took a kind of deep look at myself and i realized that the things that i value most uh, in life forget about work but in life are freedom causing disruption and being a guide to people who are going through things that maybe I went through or my, you know, my family went through. And so when I kind of mapped that out to my area of immigration, it corresponded perfectly to, you know, freedom, starting my own firm, right? So deciding what I want to do and then being a guide uh, to those that are going through what my family went through. So my I'm an Indian immigrant, my family are Indian immigrants. Like I understand I can I can kind of vibe with them and they can vibe with me. And there are so many of them. There's hundreds of thousands of them just kind of languishing here in this country on these kind of like, you know, these long processes. And so, and then disruption. And that's kind of where uh, I'm most excited about because part of the problem here, and Jim talks about this a lot, is just like the, our immigration system is so archaic. You know, the business immigration process is, is like was set up back in 1990 before there was even an internet. Like, think about that, right? People didn't really have, they didn't change jobs back then. Now people are changing jobs every two years or even less. And so my ultimate goal is to help disrupt a system that is focused on keeping people employed because of their visa status, which creates like a inequity uh, between them and their, the coworkers around them, right? Like nobody else has to go through that. They're all valued employees at a company, yet one group feels like they can't, you know, accomplish things or move companies or just innovate because of their tie to their visas. So my ultimate goal is to disrupt that process and kind of bring attention and awareness to the inequities that are caused by our current business immigration system. Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time is a step-by-step -step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you're prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want, and we'll show you how to become a maximum lawyer in minimum time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. Our guest today is Samir Kedekar. He's a business immigration lawyer of Indian descent in the Northern California area. Samir, I think that I love your model 
Like you're absolutely right. If there were people telling you this wouldn't work, I think they're really dumb people. So I think you are in the right spot. And I think this is a great model. I think you're going to have great credibility with your family story, with the successes that you have. I'm wondering what you're doing to build a community. I think you really need to read that tribes book by Seth Godin. And I think if you become the voice for the voiceless, I mean, there are lots of different ways that immigrants get exploited in the United States, but certainly one of the most fundamental and profitable ways that they're exploited is the way that mostly the tech industry treats Indian nationals. So I think that if you can build a community, strengthen the call, and then become the voice of a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of money, I think that you could really, really blow it up. Yeah, thank you. I think for me, I've started to do that. Um, I could do a lot more. A year and a half ago, I started posting on LinkedIn about this. And when I post on LinkedIn, and kind of like you do, Jim, like I don't post about here's the newest legal development. Like nobody cares about that, it gets no engagement. Boring. I just start talking about this <laughs> or just like, hey, did you know that these people are just feeling like crap just because like they can't, you know, uh, change jobs? And I started getting so much engagement on LinkedIn and not just from Indian immigrants. Um, but from companies and my call, you know, my extended network within the corporate immigration community. So I really think I need to kind of push that more uh, to your point. I have partnered with um, uh, an, a current immigrant uh, who is a uh, Amazon bestselling author to write a book on this topic and the marketing that she's doing. Um, I'm kind of learning a lot from her and the network that she has has really kind of pushed me out to the community. So that's kind of become an example of how like it's really kind of blowing up right now as we speak. And so my struggle now is to kind of keep, keep up with that. And then I was lucky enough to have, um, you know, I did an EB1 for a client who, a female, and there's also not just immigrant bias, but kind of female bias, I think, within uh, the USCI structure. Uh, she's a young female at a very big uh, computer company. And they would only do like a, an EB3 green card for her, which is the longest green card. And I got her EB1 approved. Uh, she deserved it, uh, which is the fastest green card uh, for extraordinary ability. And so they were so grateful that they posted, a, without me even asking them to, they posted a note on LinkedIn kind of explaining what happened. And what that created was they're really well connected. Uh, and that kind of brought attention to like, this is a possibility um, for Indian immigrants. And they didn't think it was a possibility before because they thought you had to be like a Nobel Prize laureate or a PhD to get this particular kind of green card, which you don't. And so uh, it's starting to happen. Uh, and I agree that I need to continue to build up that community. So I think that's great, but I want you to orchestrate it more. That's a great story. And those are great examples that you can use both all the successes that you've talked on here, but I want you to start being more deliberate. And I, I would even ask Tyson, if I can jump in and just ask, so how are we going to build out the back end? How are you going to start fulfilling this stuff so that you can spend more time building that community? Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that's where my struggle is right now. <laughs> and so um, that's something that I definitely need to work on. And I'm kind of putting a lot of thought into that. It's funny because Jim and I were going the exact same direction because I, I want to know, I want to hear about the struggle that you're facing when it comes to that, because you're getting close to that point where if you're not already there, where the phone rings and you're kind of like, oh, another lead. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, you might get close to that because I know a lot of people get to that point and that's tough. That's a really tough spot. So what are the struggles like right now? And then what are you doing on the back end? Like Jim's talking about, like, what are you doing to build that infrastructure right now? Yeah. So I think my first struggle is probably my mindset around, I, I got to stop doing a lot of the things that I have been, I'm used to doing. Okay. Maybe I'll do that at the consults, but I'm also still doing 
billing, you know, for example, or and just some, a lot of admin work. I've pushed off most of my paralegal work to young attorneys that I've hired who are functioning mostly as paralegals right now. But I think my mindset around hiring and who I should hire and how I need to delegate more, being comfortable with delegation, I think is my biggest uh, problem right now. So kind of working my way through that and then kind of building up. And once I'm kind of used to that mechanically, like which system do I use? Like how, how do I like how do I even implement, you know, kind of marketing funnels and, you know, all these different kinds of billing processes. And, you know, I'm still very much at that level one that you guys are talking about. And my struggle is like, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to even get to level two with those systems in place. And so just a lot more education and then making time for myself to kind of build it, I think is the biggest problem. I mean, I think, and I think Jim would say this to you too, like you need to focus on that biggest pain point right now. If it's billing, focus on billing and and get that knocked out one bit at a time. What you might face is, oh, I've got to plug all the holes in the boat. And reality is you just need to focus on the biggest hole right now and get that knocked out. I just wonder, Jim, what are your thoughts? I just want to know how you can go faster. That's what I, I just think that the opportunity is huge. Yeah. I think you might be overthinking some stuff and you just need to go. Yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> I, I do a lot of overthinking over here. Where does that come from? I mean, we, we can go into, you know, uh, kind of years of kind of thought habits uh, that I've built up uh, over the course of my life. Um uh, and, and that's another thing that I would kind of strongly recommend for people is like, first of all, I'm a lot better at it than I was before. And that's mostly because of, you know, going to therapy. Uh, I think that's really, really important. It was helpful. Like, I don't mind talking about it. I know sometimes there's a stigma around it, but it's just something that, you know, has been immensely helpful for me. Um, and I think uh, even now, like today, like the tool, you can just go virtually, you can go on Zoom. It's just so much easier. And I think the... Um, kind of the knowledge around how to help busy professionals like us. There's so much more that it's a huge benefit to me. And I'm, I'm still working my way through it. Yeah, that, that mental piece is really, really important. Yeah. And something that I've I've been doing a better job of lately is working on my body, not just working out, but like Jim, Jim has been doing wheelie massages. I'm, I'm down to two week, two uh, once every week, every other week. I mean, so I, it's, uh, and then also just, I mean, what you eat, super, super important. I mean, but these are all the things like, wouldn't you say like you, you ignore earlier in your career, like you focus more mm-hmm. on the work instead of the mind and the body part. Uh, I would. And I still have a, uh, a lot of improvement to do on the body part, I would say. But even early in my career, my focus is on like achieving goals that were outside of me, like showing people that I'm doing, you know, a good job, gaining the reputation and prestige, which I realized was kind of like a road to nowhere, right? It's when I started doing things for myself and not really caring what like the, maybe like the professional community that I'm used to, what they think about that anymore. It's really when I kind of achieve true freedom, which is one of my core values. And so I'd say like I'm on my way there. I still have a lot of work to do, but um, I'm excited about it. What does your firm need most from you right now? My firm needs me to sell and just kind of be out there and be a voice uh, in the community, I think is the biggest thing. I love it. That's go out and be that voice. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think your niche is fantastic. I think it's really, it's a fun one. I think you can have a lot of fun with this. Uh, this is so great, but we do need to wrap things up. But before I do, I want to remind everyone to join us in the Facebook group. Join us there. Also follow us on Instagram. A lot of fun stuff that Becca's pushing out on 
other social media channels, including Instagram and LinkedIn. If you want a more high-level conversation with people like Samir and a lot of other great guild members, join us in the guild, maxlawguild.com. And while you're listening to our tips and hacks during the rest of this episode, if you don't mind, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? I really enjoy listening to the old school motivational speakers, especially after my workout. I get all pumped up listening to these guys from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. One of the ones I really like is this guy named Les Brown. And he had a little story that he told or or a hack that he said that people always say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So Les has a solution for that. He says, if you find yourself in that situation, instead of saying, I don't know what to do, say to yourself, if I did know what to do, what would I do? Like just sort of jump over that as a hurdle and just say, presume you know what to do and just do that, which I loved. I thought that was a great mindset shift. I like that, Jimmy. And um, that's going to be related to my tip that I'm going to give. So that's really good. That's my little teaser. Samir, we always ask our guest, as you know, to give us a tip or hack of the week. What you got for us? It's a simple little thing. It's a Chrome extension called uh, PDF Friendly. So in immigration and maybe other areas, we have to file reams of paperwork to the government. And so we're often printing out web pages. And today's web pages full of animation, photos, you know, whatnot. They print terribly and they look horrific and they're very difficult to read. So PDF friendly, basically you click on the button and it converts that web page to a, a printer friendly format, uh, makes for more professional uh, looking exhibits, uh, which are, I think are really helpful um, in making a good case for your clients. I love that. Really good. I always like tech tips. So for my tip of the week, it's something I talked about in the guild on Saturday, but um, it's something where I was talking to Jason Selk and he's talked about when, when evaluating no matter what it is, always start with the positive. And he he gave the example of if like one of my kids came home with their, their grade card and they had four A's and one B, the, the average person would start by focusing on that B. And then what it does is it brings your child's self-confidence to the floor. Or if, if your child came home with four B's and one A, you'd probably focus on the B's. That's the average person. And you should focus on the A, right? Focus on the positive. And he talks about how he kind of got that from Sam Walton, where even if Sam Walton went into a dingy, nasty restaurant, he would always start with something positive about that restaurant when evaluating as opposed to starting with the negative. And it's that mindset shift that you're talking about, Jimmy, where it's gra- at, at first it's hard to do, but over time, your, your whole mindset will start to shift. And so it's, I think it's a really, really important lesson. And I will tell you, as I'm a really positive person, to be honest with you, but I've been trying to do that over the last week, and it's really tough to do. It is really, 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 really hard to do. So I encourage people to, when evaluating, start with the positive and then move into the negative. And that does not mean ignore the negative. That just means start with the positive. But uh Jim, you had something to say. Go for it. Whenever he's talking to me, Samir, he always starts with a negative, though. Oh, that's cool, crap. I do give you a lot of, I give you a lot of hell. That's for sure. But that's good. But I'm always thinking of positive. Hey, man, you look great. By the way, I'm going to give, before we wrap, I just want to tell Jim, you do look fantastic. You've lost 48 pounds. That is, you're you're looking great, knocking out 75 hard. I knew you'd be able to do this. You're not done yet. I knew you'd be able to do it. But I did not think you'd have the progress you've had to this point. That's incredible. 48 pounds. You didn't know how much I was eating. That's why. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, that's that's impressive, man. So kudos to you. Good work. Thanks, buddy. Samir, let me just say, I can't tell you how excited I am about your niche. It really is exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing you grow and your firm grow. So fantastic stuff. Thanks for joining us. Love it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. See you, guys. See you, gents. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast.
to stay in contact with your host and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.